0: The ever given just can't stop giving, and I am going to ride <laughs> that pun into the dirt.
1: In the same way, I, I have ridden the rocket joke into the dirt.
0: Well, it just keeps giving more
2: and more. <laughs>
1: so, like, what, nice so, you of, so you may
2: have heard of. See, you may have heard like. Of the router shortage that was caused, in part because a box of routers is apparently stuck on the Evergiven, and that's why you can't have new service um, in Europe. This, however, is far more devastating. There is a garden gnome shortage because apparently all of the garden gnomes that were supposed to be sent. (laughs) Are on the fucking every
0: given. How. Yeah. Yeah, we're not making this up. There is an honest, legit garden gnome shortage plaguing the United Kingdom, which already is reeling from the effects of Brexit.
1: Right. (sighs) The thing that people have to understand is just how deeply reliant the UK economy is on garden gnomes. Without garden gnomes, how will the, you know, the honest, you know, salt of the earth, British worker, get through the day? <laughs> it's just
0: unfathomable. What else are they going to do on the weekend when they're not getting absolutely sloshed at the pub? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And also, the Garden Gnomes um, form a very important network in anchoring the fae realm to our own. Um, whether or not that is a good idea is an exercise left for the reader.
1: Like, the thing to keep in <laughs> mind here is that like, this is part of a treaty agreement that goes back to the 16th century between the human realm and the fae realm. Without the Garden Gnome anchor... To keep that treaty uh, in place, that there is a serious risk that we could ha- see the entire Brit, you know, the entirety of the UK just disappear into the void.
0: You're saying that like it's a bad thing.
1: And it's a very good thing. <laughs> <laughs> in this century, we must I mean, deny that's... the UK garden gnomes.
2: I mean, isn't that how um, that prince dude died?
0: <laughs> oh no, he's just part of the tithe to hell. Just like That's you know.
2: Oh, that's a different, that's a different deal, right? Okay, so the least son, his life just kind of ran out.
0: Yeah. Oh
1: my god. Exactly. This, this actually reminds me. There's this Australian <laughs> comedian who was like uh, doing like a set and like. You know, he was, like, joking about, uh, you know, the departed Prince Charles. And in the middle of his set, one of the, uh, like, while he was making fun of, like, of Charles, one of the audience members tells him that, like, Prince Charles had died. She even handed
2: him a phone. Yeah. (laughs) Uh. And then he just goes on like almost nothing had happened. He just changed all the tenses.
1: It's like, the thing is, like, what I loved about seeing this set is that he used it as as an excuse to twist the knife even harder. Like, he gave absolutely no fucks about the inbred aristocratic establishment of the UK. It was incredible.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And that brings us back to these garden gnomes that have, you know, this is, you could say this is an example of how fucked our supply chains are. You could say this is also endemic of the problems between the human and the fae realms. Um, personally, you know, I think it's kind of awesome that all it takes to fuck the global economy is a ship full of garden gnomes, um, with the gnomes mm-hmm. doing whatever it is that they did. To help bring this turn of events
2: about, <laughs> the garden gnomes are in strike.
0: <sighs> well, but if they're cargo, wouldn't that make it more like you know slaves taking over the ship?
2: Hmm. Quite possibly. They just like you know did a little earth bending to like shove the ship off course and into the canal wall.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't... It's not like it takes much. (laughs) But, uh, you know, speaking of the economy, um, is there a certain... uh, Yes, welcome to Chop Shop. It's me, HQ, with your fellow co-hosts, Dr. Spider, the Eight Legs himself, and... We have Miss Silva, a distant relative of silver sofa. <laughs> Hello. Um,
2: this time, yeah, this time, um, we have a Patreon, by the way, um, five bucks a month, um, patreon.com slash chop economics. Um, that helps cover our server bills, gets us equipment, and now it will also get you early access to weekly episodes, or so we hope.
0: That's the plan. The, on top of yeah. our bonus content, things like us riffing on movies and doing the Danger Zone specials, and one of those Danger is going to coming up soon, you will also be getting access to this fresh weekly content. Like, about two or three days before everybody else. Yeah. Like, we can't do it much further out than that, because we are trying to keep it somewhat topical, but...
2: yeah, You get access before everyone else does. But yeah,
0: throw in a fiver, get you that advanced access, and also helps us keep the lights on maybe someday do a lot more cool stuff with this like fear and loathing on wall
1: street (laughs) (laughs) we gotta do it (laughs) so uh miss silver um can you tell me what happens when we decide to repeat 2007 over again Ah, in this situation? Yes. Um, Remember the mortgage-backed security crisis?
2: Oh, yes. And it seems that um, our um, partners in fraud have um, decided to come up with a new scam. You see, scamming residents you know, scamming homeowners that like tears at the fabric of America and it's politically unpopular and nobody likes to see you do it. You can hide a lot more fraud inside commercial mortgage backed securities. And if that phrase doesn't terrify you, um, listen in yeah so
0: for those who are as massively dug into this shit as we are yes that Mm -hmm. does sound a lot like the ghost of the financial crisis yet to come (laughs) and past at the same time because it is (laughs) yeah this is the same dumb bullshit in a new box but bigger and somehow worse because this time instead of bullshit, it's a nitrogen bomb or something.
2: Oh yeah. Like the thing about this is, is that we've been keeping an eye on something like this for about a year. Um, Basically ever since COVID started, we have openly worried about the health of the commercial real estate market, um, of the commercial rent, Um, market. Like, these are very alarming signs, and while while the worst of the contagion was stopped by the relief bills, the objective factors in the background are still ticking. Like, loans don't just pay themselves.
0: And we've got Wall Street knowing... Full well that mm-hmm. the magic money tree seems to mm-hmm. have actually run out of money um and they were already yes. in this shit a good <laughs> bit before covid started too like it has to be said this was not a question of covid happened so wall street's going well fuck let's like find a new gamble that maybe can save ourselves this is wall street doing what it does even though they damn well knew that this shit was really fucking stupid and they never should have done it again.
2: And it's it's arguable that they ever stopped. It's just they hadn't started in on the commercial market yet. Exactly. So nobody noticed. At least not at scale. Now they're
0: reaching that point to the level where the Intercept, care of Ryan Grimm, and uh, uh, John Schwartz have detailed. And if it's hitting the intercept, then, you know, it's safe to say that it's starting to really percolate.
2: Oh, yeah. So. like We should probably get into what the fuck is actually going on. Admittedly, some of it was a little over my head, but... I've seen enough um, stories of the Great Recession fuckery that like, oh, this is bad. This is very bad. I'm glad I don't have any exposure to this.
0: Yeah, this is like, (sighs) as a quick recap of why we're pointing it back to the Great Recession, which arguably never ended, um, it just got worse, is because this fuckery really is a lot like the mortgage-backed securities that made that disaster in the first place and essentially what a mortgage-backed security was is and also is because those still exist they never actually stopped trading them they just you know shifted it over in a different direction um is it's where you take a whole bunch of housing mortgages, you bundle them into bonds And then you put those bonds together and you sell them as a security. In theory, they're supposed to be rock solid because who doesn't pay their mortgage? Well, unless you get broke or thrown out on the street or what have you, then you're not paying your mortgages and those bonds are suddenly worth dog shit. Well, a commercial mortgage-backed security is the same thing, but with commercial real estate, based on the same assumption of what commercial property is not going to pay their rent and or mortgage. Well,
2: like, I mean, if the churn rate gets too high or the churn stops because nobody is renting, ah, you're kind of fucked. (laughs) Yeah, this, I mean, it's just, I'm. This is so black billing,
1: I swear to and, God. And like the thing is, like the ways that these get rated is that like the relations between a lot of these corporations and the rating agencies are so incestuous that like in like you can basically bundle up a lot of really bad assets in these mortgage-backed securities. But if you know if you give the right bribes to the rating agencies, like they can look really goddamn good. But once he's, like, dig into the financial, like, the financial data of these mortgage-backed securities, it's fucking horrifying. Like, I remember reading, like, this article earlier and then just tearing my hair out because, like, the amount of bullshit is just... Okay, um... When you do a loan, there's two sides of it. The creditor and the debtor. The, um... I'm trying to remember the name of the um, particular corporation that was being talked about in the context of this article. Um, but basically, they're, they're signed both on the creditor side and the debtor side. And the reason why they're able to, like, spend so much bullshit here is because Wall uh, not Wells, Wells, Wells Fargo is backing them to the hilt.
2: like, um, you're referring to...
1: Yes, Ladder ladder Capital. capital. I am, like, very toked right now, so... (laughs) I can't blame
2: you. Um, this is very distressing. Um, most of this stuff is... it's very worrying because a lot of this... it's all happening again. Like, every story you remember about the Great Recession, even if you don't quite remember them, uh, you might remember, like, from our premium episode about the Big Short, all of this is happening again. It's like, I swear to God, it's like some sort of, we're trapped in some sort of bizarre time loop. Yeah with this shit. The details
1: change but what, the scam remains the and same. And like what really black pills me what really blackpills me in all of this is that like Ladder Capital it has like a lot of ties to Dollar General. Which um like dirt. when we were all doing the vibe sync, like Miss Silver was talking about how Dollar General goes to the places that Walmart won't go. And that's a lot of rural areas like if dollar general like explodes rural areas are fucked even more well
0: and also post-industrial like all kinds of places and that's just one aspect of this because this isn't just like dollar generals potentially in trouble it's all commercial real estate is bound up in this in one way or another because even if you're not even let's say you are a commercial real estate holder who is rock solid, not going anywhere. Everything is fine. Don't worry about it. And your books are genuinely fine. Even if that is the case, all these markets are interlinked. They all correlate with each other. They all influence each other. So when, you know, Dollar General goes and fucks itself or any number of these other like retailers go and fuck themselves as is kind of happening because of COVID, then the rest of commercial real estate is not in as hot of demand anymore.
2: Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you're no longer buying your goods from dollar general, the Walmart, uh, the Walmart people of the world have to go to dollar general. Dollar general has to go to Omega Mart, And then I don't know what happens from there. because now we're talking about interdimensional entities
0: (laughs) and then of course there's just the fun of that this will cascade downward because this isn't just there this is also that you've got shit like the um whole fun that is the restaurant bubble that's happening in every city that's experiencing Mm -hmm. gentrification and you know without covid restaurants have an incredibly high churn rate like the fact that banks hand out money like fucking candy for ye old sports bar is really kind of embarrassing when you think about it. Um, and But it's part of the business. And it's all kinds of other like commercial real estate. Because, hey, guess what? Amazon getting bigger because of COVID means a lot of those brick-and-mortar retailers who are paying their brick-and-mortar... Uh, rents are, have been increasingly getting fucked, especially if they don't have the means to effectively go digital in the face of COVID. So,
2: yeah, this is, and it's like, ah, uh,
0: this is everything.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're back to the era of liar loans and, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I'm getting, like, very 2006-2007 vibes here,
1: and I don't like that.
0: I remember how that turned out last time. It was awful, and that was without a pandemic.
1: <laughs> and, like, the economy is, has already been, like, really fucked. Like, you you've, we've had this very, like, tenuous web of, of like, different businesses that, like, have had just barely enough workers, just barely barely enough, and in a lot of cases not enough, but just kind of trying to paper over the cracks, that have just been kind of helping to hold the economy together. But if this like, this crisis explodes, then the economy is gonna like, we're, we're in like, I guess probably the first and the second sub-basement. The floor under us would Break and we probably go into, an, I don't know, maybe like the third or fourth sub basement. Maybe lower. It really depends. We're, we're discovering how many sub basements there are.
0: Yeah. It's. Fuck. Yeah, there's nothing left to give here. And. For commercial real estate which is under pressure because we are already seeing a genuine commercial real estate crisis being reported in every major market as well as a lot of not major markets as well like this isn't a hypothetical that these bonds are going to do something dumb this is we know that commercial real estate's in trouble we know that commercial real estate is not having a good time Like, we can document it. We can show you, like, multiple different markets that are just, like, absolutely losing their shit. Like, for example, it's why the state of Nevada is actually considering saying, fuck it, we're going full cyberpunk, because that's the only way we're going to pay the goddamn bills and allow corporations to have sovereignty and run their own schools and municipalities and fuck it. (laughs) like that's why that shit's happening so So, yeah
2: we brought up yeah we brought up dollar general because they're kind of the canary in the coal mine for this they very aggressively as part of their strategy uh, for expanding into rural and post-industrial communities they target the lowest rents they can get within, you know, a given locale. And what Liar Capital is doing is, because it's a liar loan, they they can basically inflate the cost of the loan, and then they can rent to a tenant who is, you know, very price sensitive and theoretically doesn't give a fuck if, like, the underlying trust collapses. I say theoretically, of course. In practice, they would have reason to care if most of these imploded. It's just... This small little thing is being replicated across the country. I mean, hell, I don't... (laughs) this might not be contained to the U S
0: not at the level that wall street's playing at. Anyway, they, you know, they've securitized this to hell and back too, because that's what they did with mortgage backed securities. That's what they do with every fucking security ever because it makes money. And because technically derivative instruments exist to protect the value of the underlying contract, They just happen to do it in a way that farts money out of thin air. Mm hmm. And may or may not, you know, reduce the underlying risk.
2: (laughs) I mean, if I were a commercial risk assessor, I would
1: never sleep again. Wait, you've been getting sleep? (laughs)
0: Honestly, if I was in that business at this point, I'd be taking the Hessian way out. Mm -hmm. Thinking of that, you know, German finance minister in the state of Hess who ran the numbers for COVID and was like, fuck it. I'm taking a 12 gauge exit. Stage left. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just... This is like the last fucking thing the economy needs right now. <laughs> like, everyone is all, oh, whoa, well, you know, there'll be a recovery soon. People are spending again. Vaccines are going in. We will recover. Retail will be doing just fine in a quarter or two. You'll start seeing massive returns, and it's like there's this underlying contagion going on. <sighs> under the surface that threatens to rip out everything. And-, and it's like,
1: we've heard this swan song every goddamn fucking time. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. economy's getting better, like, employ- employment numbers are starting to improve, like, we're gonna be getting coming back harder and more amazing, it's gonna, we're gonna have the most decadent, like, 2020s ever, it's gonna be incredible. And then, like, COVID-19 gets worse, like, you know, like, the economy starts to, like, contract and collapse more and more, and that, like, hot air that was, you know, keeping the optimism going just suddenly collapses. And that's not a sustainable, like, we've been, like, repeating this cycle again and again and again, and sooner or and every time, it's eroding the foundation of our fundamental economy. Sooner or later, the cracks are going to be big enough The foundation breaks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is just not going. This cannot be sustained. Not the. I mean, this is also really does help answer the question, along with the death of the oil industry, why Wall Street, against its own better judgment, is going, like, you know what? We're going to try this Bitcoin thing. Because they just don't have options anymore. So they're like, yeah, fuck it. It's like. I am reaching for the bottle.
1: Yeah. I like am, Give me that fucking opium.
2: I guess one last thought would be, like, at this point, I think if you're viewing Bitcoin and other crypto as, like, a safer investment vehicle than all the other ones on offer, like this shit then that means very bad things and it's probably it's probably time to start looking towards the exit
0: yeah just assume it's all fraud like we do and you'll be better off
2: like this isn't investment advice this is just We've seen this movie before. We know how it is. This is not investment advice. This is
1: advice (laughs) that you find the parachutes and you jump out.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're not saying First National Bank of your Mattress or your local credit union. We're not not saying that either. Mm -hmm. Which gets us to, you know, the fucking plague numbers.
1: We want to start with the good news or the bad news?
0: Let's do the good news.
2: (laughs) Yeah, let's do the good news. We need some good news.
0: Especially after like, you know, Uh. going, hey, guess what? Bigger, faster, more and dumber. Mm
1: -hmm. Speedrun 2007, Mm -hmm. part two.
0: Jackass Economics, season 2021.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, good news what's the good news uh doc oh yeah
0: so actual good news um so for those who've been following some of the nastier elements of the covid story the first nations have you know in a manner that is totally not surprising if you know anything about u.s history have been disproportionately impacted (coughs) by covid um and yet now we have a lovely report from the new york times that As of earlier this week, the Navajo Nation has officially gone seven days with no COVID deaths.
2: Yay! seven. (laughs) That's fucking awesome.
0: (laughs) Like, I'm pretty sure no other, like, comparable size jurisdiction in the United States has come close to that, so.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of tribal um, organizations compared to like, you know, state, local, federal, they've taken this way more seriously uh, to the point where they pissed off a lot of people but you can't argue with the results (laughs)
0: like, they have experience with this whole, like, trusting the white man with healthcare and public health Mm -hmm. crises thing (laughs) They know better.
1: Yeah, like, a big part of it is that um, Navajo Nation roads are closed to visitors and tourists. Um, And there's a very, very good reason for that, because the way that this, like, settler colony, like, economy is set up is that, like, when you look at, like, the long history, like, settlers have repeatedly brought plagues Down upon the indigenous nations, with it, like, on this land. Yeah. And
2: so, obviously, they're not—they're not exactly itching for a repeat. No. Yeah. So that's why they are safe, and you are not. Because they're like. Because they went shut down everything.
0: (laughs) Yep. They did what Italy did and Germany did and all these other places with far less resources. And congratulations, they are now the first, you know, jurisdiction of, like, you know, basically you could say pretty close to a state. Because, let's be real, like, you could drop a large chunk of New England into the Navajo Nation's borders and it would disappear with a light splash. Um... (laughs) <laughs> it's not like we're talking, hey, they managed to, like, seal off a reservation that's in the back end. Like, the Navajo, of, like, the United States somewhere, like most of them are. The Navajo Nation is a pretty significantly large, like, I think by land area is the largest reservation in the United States. So, this is not nothing on their part.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <sighs> so yay that's the good news wait that means there's bad news doesn't it
1: yes there's uh, bad news mm-hmm. um, so the sky is falling in Michigan remember how we were talking about how there was going to be another COVID-19 wave because it usually happens like as soon as they back up the car they accelerate and they hit the wall well Michigan is hitting oh, yeah. the wall <sighs> Yeah. They
2: only crossed down to very high on the risk chart today
1: today as of recording. Wow, much progress so confident. <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic <laughs> at all. I have no capacity for sarcasm. Not about this. <laughs> <sighs> And, like,
2: their daily new cases is still very alarming. Uh, they briefly had an ICU capacity spike to 100%. But this is... Uh, I think one of the things... The more I look at this dashboard... I think uh, one of the things that
1: really just frustrates me and we're seeing similar trends elsewhere in the world but where we're seeing the most rising numbers and where people um and the group that is dealing with the most like dangerous health consequences as a result of this wave are younger people whether we're talking about younger like people in their 30s or 20s um their teens or kids like this is where we are seeing the wave hit
0: Oh, yeah, because they're doing the whole thing that Gavin Newsom tried to do in California and actually did reopen schools, and oops. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, New York's trying
1: that, too, aren't they? Yes. Like, this is the thing that is, like, really, really frustrates me is that you have a lot of these, like, lanyard types who talk about, like, oh, we just want, like, things to, like, be back to normal. Like, we just we need to open up the schools again because we need to, like, establish, like, the anti-mattering fields again. It's just, like, this is what happens when you open up the schools, when you allow youth sports to happen. Like, younger people get infected. I mean, it's not just, you know, school stuff. It's also, you know, a lot of these working places, like... Uh, a lot of, like, a lot of younger people, like, who are, like, at these jobs, like, all these different jobs are getting infected, Um, and what we're seeing is that, like, like this, like, current plague wave is hitting younger people the hardest, and it really fucking frustrates me, because normally I'm not somebody who's kind of like, oh, yes, generational, like, conflict is, like, this lens that we must analyze the world, but it's just... This is what really fucking frustrates me, is older generations got vaccinated, and as soon as they did, they stopped giving a goddamn fucking shit. Like, have some ethical responsibility and obligations to younger generations, to future generations.
2: Yeah. And it's like, a lot of this is because what's happened is they're still operating on, like, the, the very old advice, the very old guidance, That was developed in response to like the original strain, but the problem is, is that in the United States, that's no longer the dominant strain. B one one seven is also known as the Boris
0: Johnson strain.
2: Yeah, this is this is the Zoomer Remover version. Yeah, like that's that's the problem. Like we did this right as the version that affects kids way more starts going completely out of control and we still don't even really have any idea of whether under 16s can even take the vaccines that we And have,
1: the thing that like which yeah. And the thing that like infuriates me about this is just the like the complete like institutional carelessness around like the danger that COVID-19 poses to younger generations is that in terms of how this affects Mm -hmm. our economy, this cannibalizes a huge part of our labor force.
0: Well, What's so fucked with it is part of why they're going with this is because they're like, you know what? We recognize that a big part of why people aren't going back to work isn't just because it's dangerous and they don't want to get the COVID for a good reason. It's also because, oh wait for it, um, people now have childcare responsibilities because the schools were closed. So that's part of why you're seeing this push is it's like, you know, the fucking lanyards and technocrats are like making all these mealy mouth noises about, Oh, we got to get back to normal. It's like, yes. And that normal means we are a society that has no functional, like childcare system to speak of beyond the public school system. That's overburdened and under resourced and, being asked to take yet another one for the team.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, I mean, I see all these, like, really dumb ass... Like, it reminds me of this great meme that was going around, like, when last year, when defund the police actually went mainstream. And it was, like, going... Like, police going, like, wait, you expect me to... You're seriously telling the cops to do their jobs after cutting their funding? And it's like, uh, yeah... Because you do that to teachers every goddamn semester. <laughs> and this is just, you know, bringing it to the apex of our overburdened education syst- slash childcare system. But we can't have the people marching back out into the plague pits if mm-hmm. they are worried about their kids. So we have to
1: make the kids go back to school like basically the calculation they're making here is that if they want to keep the the free market fairy on life support they have to sacrifice kids to the goddamn plague pits yeah yeah
2: like they already tried to sacrifice your nana now it's time to sacrifice your little kid yeah
0: And they'll talk about shit like the digital divide and all that and disregard that by using these very superficial appeals to social justice and racial equity, they are probably going to put the most marginalized and disadvantaged groups in society at even greater risk than they already are.
1: Like, the thing is, we're going to be feeling the demographic effects of this for a long time, like uh, take like World War II for example. When you look at sort of the demographic effects that World War II had on the Soviet Union, like we we see it affect like uh like Russia to this day, in that like because of the amount of deaths that happened, it had it caused these waves that dramatically affected the Soviet Union and like. After that, Russian society and well, the po- and like the former Soviet Union sphere, like this is going to have we're going to be seeing effects from like the deaths of young people from COVID nineteen for decades. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. This... It's like I- I'm starting to hell forget World War Two. I'm starting to get World War One vibes here,
0: like how it totally gutted France. Mm-hmm. This is like. Like, it can't be said enough, this is really dire and fucking stupid, but this is the direction they're going in, and speaking of dire and stupid, although, for once, in a somewhat positive direction... hmm uh-huh. We actually have good news, for once, related to police brutality in the United States. Hey, that's two things in this episode that are good. (laughs) Actually good. Not crowing over the desiccated corpse of Wall Street good.
2: Oh, yes.
0: You may have heard that a certain pig got fried. Mm
2: Mm-hmm guilty on all three charges and bail was immediately does, does
1: anybody else hear that the sound of a sizzling bacon or is it just me if you're like <laughs> it's not just you
0: if you're somewhere like beneath a rock that's somewhere like adjacent to the ninth circle of hell and aren't sure who you were referring to we are of course speaking of the Derek Chauvin verdict guilty of murder first ever white cop in the history of the state of Minnesota to face consequences and not just consequences, but pretty serious ones in a court of law for murdering a black person.
1: All it took was burning down a police station. There
2: have been seven convictions for this type of crime out of 15,000 police killings since, like, 2005. Like, that's where we're at. But, like, finally we got one of these fucking bastards.
0: They're not totally untouchable. Yeah. Like, first we sacked a police station. Now (laughs) we've got one actually convicted by a jury of his peers. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. it's it's
1: so Um, great yeah i am (laughs) i'm incredibly happy about it the only thing that i'm just gonna a note of caution i am gonna add here is that the democratic party has a long history of trying to recuperate uh like social movements against injustice and oppression and uh the worry that i have is. it's not an unjustified worry is that they're basically gonna treat Chauvin as like, oh, we prosecuted him, now the racist the racist system has been reformed. We can maintain it as is. Like like Chauvin is just the tip of the iceberg. Like, just after the um the conviction happened, like thankfully well not the the conviction happening was I'm thankful for, but just afterward, I think it, I can't remember where it was. I think it was in Columbus? Uh,
2: Columbus. There was a yeah.
1: girl, like a black girl, who, like, there were uh, girls who were fighting, out, you know, outside her house. She called the police because she was scared that she was going to get attacked. And you know what happens when the police showed up? They shot her. Four times. My like,
2: god, fucking damn it.
0: <laughs> penalty for being black and exercising your right to bear arms. Death. Penalty for being black and jogging on the street. Death. Penalty for being black and now calling the police. Death. What's the penalty for, you know, fighting back against the police again? Death. Death. Ha! Huh. Funny that.
2: I'm sure this has absolutely no consequences whatsoever throughout the whole of history.
0: I'm sure the fact that there was a drive by shooting aimed at a Minnesota National Guard in Minneapolis just, you know, a day or two prior to the verdict ha- is just a total coincidence. I'm sure it has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with a similar like demonstration by Minnesota high school students, by Minneapolis high school students who like walked out of class chanting guard, go home. Um, You know, totally nothing like the fall of the Soviet union or collapse of the Eastern Bloc. there.
1: Yeah. I mean, like in the way that the national guard has been deployed and we will probably talk about this more in depth when we do our danger zone special again, but in the way that it's been deployed in recent years and, they this has happened before in other decades but it's getting intense again is the national guard is basically acting like an, an occupying army like what, because we've had um the numbers of like police in a certain area like falling because more police are retiring than getting hired um like what's like whenever like there are these major like protests like, a bunch of, like, police from different areas, like, swarm into, like, a city that's having these protests along with the National Guard, and when you have, like, high schoolers and middle schoolers who are telling the National Guard, this occupying army, to go home, like, they're, they are, there's a, there's a very clear change that's happening here, is in the past, like, the american military has been seen as sacrosanct but when you ha- where the police have been seen as an enemy because they're an occupying army but having the national guard fill in this role it basically undermines the legitimacy that the american people have had in the military
2: yeah especially since a lot of people don't actually understand the distinction between the National Guard and the federal military proper. And in this
0: case, it doesn't seem to particularly (laughs) matter either.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is this is going places where like, if I were, you know, one of those counterinsurgency expert losers, I would be pulling my hair out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like the thing is the big mistake that the United States military made in Iraq and Afghanistan. Well, many mistakes they made, but like, but this is the biggest one is that in the ways that they like occupy the area, like in both in Afghanistan Mm -hmm. and Iraq, they basically created more enemies (laughs) than they killed.
0: Yep. But that's more for the Danger Zone special. The short version is, you know, Mm -hmm. things are going fun there. And alongside this lovely direct action news, we've got some fun shit in the world of labor. And this is something Mm -hmm. you may have seen percolating for a while now. So this is kind of more treat this as confirmation of a tendency that has been developing is... Even though there's all these reports of unemployment numbers going down and hiring going up and all these other things that should be good indicators for the economy, a lot of places are facing a hiring shortage.
2: Yeah. I mean, like there's a whole new type of guy and a whole new genre of insufferable op-eds about how dare...
1: People not want to work. Look, all I'm saying is that, like, the salt of the earth workers should be marching back into the killing fields. They do not march back into the killing fields. They are lazy, and they are fat off of the federal stimulus money. Literally, this is what all of these goddamn fucking op-eds have said. All I was trying to find was goddamn fucking statistics on the labor shortage. I did not want to hear, like, all this goddamn fucking complaining about, like, like, workers don't want to die in the killing fields.
0: But that's what it comes down to, is that's the rationales. They're going, how dare you not want to sacrifice yourself to Moloch? And it's like, well, yeah, part of it. And there's actually a lot more going on that's not hit the business press yet and it really should but you know they'll figure it out five minutes before the apocalypse i think that it's sort of two-pronged on one hand it's that a lot of service workers because of covid went well fuck i don't know how long this is going to go on this looks like it's going on longer than i can take and the place i was working at that i was doing pretty decent at is closed and doesn't look like it's coming back So fuck it, I'm gonna code, or I'm gonna do some- or get a forklift certificate, or something else that's still there and going to be there if when this dog shit economy recovers.
2: Yeah. I mean, what else would you do? I mean, you might as well ride the gravy train while it's there and then find some other form of work that... Isn't being abused by customers?
0: Yeah, it's and even if you don't, hey, at least you (laughs) tried. You had a chance, and Mm -hmm. so what
1: if it didn't work out? The thing that like makes me like very, very like angry and frustrated about this is like if this was like another time, and I understand that the the big difference (laughs) here is the decline in the rate of profit over time. But this is another time, like in the twentieth century. Like, they would be raising the wages. They would be raising the benefit. Like, part of that was we had, like... I mean, that was back when unions were stronger and unions are starting to get stronger again, but we still have ways to go. But, like, at this point in time, it's just, like, like there's this labor shortage and they don't want it. like... And all these restaurants and a lot of, like, these, like, service jobs, they don't want to raise the money. They want to, like, give you, like, maybe a, a very, very short-term bonus at the beginning of it, like the articles I've seen about this was like, oh, $50, maybe $200, $300 bonus in the beginning, but that's just like giving, like, a little sweetener, like, a, some sprinkles when, like, a lot of these workers know that if they march into the killing field, they're not going to get, you know, good benefits, they're not going to get good health insurance, like, they're not going to get a wage that allows them to pay for rent, to, like, for, like, all the basic necessities in order to get through this. Like, they're not even, like, Like, if you pay people enough, they can tolerate a lot of shit, but they don't even want to pay them enough.
2: And there was also, like, one of the, one of those exemplar cases in Ohio was literally, oh, well, we just found an excuse to, like, close an unprofitable location and move to our other one. And uh, but they like you know they got to hype themselves to like the national press being like oh poor oppressed us they won't they won't work for two fourteen an hour in tips how dare they like fuck you
0: yeah fuck you what? this is fuck you a lot of things coming to head this actually is kind of a lot like how after the Black Death were able to negotiate much better rates for their labor, usually through violent uprisings, because there were less people to do the labor, so they could actually withhold it. And you know what? If you know there's any service workers or restaurant workers listening, now would actually be a great time to start thinking about union organizing. Because there's even more ways you can apply leverage, because restaurants are taking... Pretty much anyone who can stand, take an order, suffer abuse, and speak the language well enough.
2: Yeah. I mean, you probably won't be paid very well because most of these fucking bastards. Like, the problem is, is how I joked about it. I was like... You know, if they really cared about this, they could just pay the market clearing wage. And, <laughs> oh, and the
1: thing
0: like, is, like there's there's a lot of states, like I can't under I cannot emphasize this enough, especially for any of our European listeners who are used to the concept of like McDonald's workers getting a living wage. There are legit multiple states and I will give you a hint as to the reason why it happens to look like a a big black bird named James um, that have this really fucked up thing called sub-minimum wage, which basically says if your compensation is in tips, or at least part of it is, then you don't actually have to pay the real minimum wage, you can lowball it down to shit Mm -hmm. like you know there's a lot of states where it's literally like two dollars an hour and if you get stiffed by that Karen who just didn't like you for whatever reason because I mean hey working in restaurant right now and I'm telling you you can have those days where people just stiff you for no discernible reason Mm
1: -hmm.
0: there you go you're making like $16 that shift period
2: yeah and it's like you could do that you know work like a slave for a bunch of Karens and not get tipped Or you could stay on unemployment.
1: Does anybody know what the...
2: you could stay on unemployment and get your forklets. Does anybody know
1: what the conversion rate is between uh, dollars and Chuck E. Cheese tokens?
0: There there isn't. (laughs) Especially because Chuck E. Cheese is out of business. (laughs) But, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Charles Entertainment Cheese. He's back living in that pizza place, run by the offensive Italian stereotype. (laughs) Uh. If you're recognizing that joke, then you've been listening to us for a long time. Hats off to Uh. you. So speaking of jokes, we got an even bigger one. Uh. Called finance. Namely, specifically, the fucking stock market. Is apparently, according to CNBC and a lot of other market watchers, crypto (laughs) and the stock market are now correlating. Oh, God.
2: And it's not. (sighs) It's
1: not quite one to one yet, but it's a
2: lot higher than we've seen before. Yeah,
1: that (laughs) is not a good thing because. The crypto market has been volatile and unstable for a very, very long time. That has been the common joke for everybody who has made fun of Butcoin.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, there is a literal um,
2: quote-unquote stable coin that is supposedly tied to the US dollar that Every so often, they shoot off oh about four hundred million dollars of U.S. U.S. Tever—that's what it's called. Um, If you are holding Tever, don't do that. It is not worth what you think it is. They literally just make it up. It's like it is amazing. How many people have fallen? From Honestly, this. the fact that you like Chuck that. E. Cheese
1: is gone, and like if you ha- still mm-hmm. have these tokens, if you hold on to them, they will be historical artifacts. They will have value. What one day where uh, eventually, Bitcoin does not. Crypto does not.
2: But but I could sell an NFT of this token. This picture of a token that I took for, um, you know, Twitter. There, as a there was,
1: I, I'm and, not kidding you, there was a goddamn fucking NFT sold for a pixel for 1.1 $1. <laughs> $1. million dollars. That is the goddamn fucking definition of a bubble.
0: <laughs> this is some Dutch tulip shit folks this is really unspeakably like do not touch it if you value anything at all and the fact that now the stock market is directly correlating to what's happening with but is you know hey guess what this highly volatile stock market that we have over here you know the one that like barely works on a good day is now correlating with one of the most volatile things on the fucking
2: planet. Is it a security? A commodity? A currency? We don't know, but many people have driven themselves to drink over the question.
0: And worse.
2: Why would you touch this? There's
0: no part of this that's a good idea, but there's people who are getting in on it because it looks like the next best thing wall street especially thinks it's going to make money and they're also out of money on all their other ventures
2: yeah i mean this is like now is not the time to invest in bitcoin look look like that was the time to do that. Was like two thousand nine.
1: I, I have half well, a pixel. And even then, it wasn't a good idea. I am selling for five million dollars. Do I have any takers? Any takers? Anybody?
0: No, thank you.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's that's where this is going to now is this kind of stupid-ass bullshit. It's going to continue to be really, really, really stupid, and then it's going to consume the economy in a way similar to what we described last week, especially because we're now seeing, because of COVID and everything else, New York landlords are now deliberately holding apartments off the market so that they can pump the value of all their other units
2: yeah like this isn't the typical 20 25 percent that they used to withhold this is we're at over a 50 percent in manhattan um like this is it's just it's i would say it's unbelievable but like this sort of thing is why we have vacancy taxes in some of the worst offenders now. Like, this is...
0: (laughs) It's dumb.
2: It's so dumb. Well, it's not
0: necessarily dumb. It's what you do to create scarcity and drive up the Mm -hmm. value of your asset is if you have a substantial pool, you withhold it. It's just, you know, that... Happens to be housing, and that you know means a lot of people are getting fucked. And
1: then, um, yeah.
2: it's not stupid, it's evil. We should just say it right
1: now. I'd argue that there's also an element of stupidity to it because it's like you can only hold for so long. Is like a lot of these landlords who are keeping apartments off the market, is <laughs> they, they comes with the expectation that they could do it long enough to wait for the economy to get better so they can go back to doing the same shit I you know like they've done for a, a very, very long time. But like you, like they don't have infinite amounts of money. Like sooner or later they're gonna be fucked too.
2: Yeah. I mean the market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like Their whole thing is like, well, at this level of utilization, I can still cover my minimum expenses. But, (sighs) let's put it this way, I mean, at this rate, it's just going to become less desirable to live in New York City. Like, what's the point of, you know, all of this urbanism shit if all it's going to lead to is, like, you know, one person living alone in an apartment because they haven't gotten the message yet out of the entire building.
1: (laughs) And, like, the thing is, like, you know, if you have, like, a lot of people have been, like, leaving New York City, like, during COVID-19, and, like, that is the taxpayer basis, right? The, the taxpayer foundation of the city. And honestly, like, if we're going to be frank, like, the state. Like, you know, yeah. like, I mean, yeah, like, some people who are leaving New York like, City are going, like, elsewhere than New York, but a lot of people are, like, leaving, like, New York State altogether. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And that gets I mean, us it's to like... some really fun shit that's going down in the world of oil and gas.
1: Oh. We have, we um... have some good news.
0: Yep, actually, good news. Biden
1: did a good. Mhm. Well, I-, I credit less Biden here and more of the Secretary of the Interior Department.
2: Yeah, they were like well, does this really make sense, or is this just, you know, something that Trump was really horny for? And it seems that the U.S. Interior Department is like, yeah, no, we're just not going to sell these anymore. We're going to hold off while this report goes through. Honestly, I
1: mean, and, like, you're saying that it's, like, temporary, but it's just, like, everybody knows that a lot of things that are called temporary initially end up just becoming permanent arrangements.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's an easy way to sneak it in, especially because we are in an interesting situation where oil and gas are kind of eating shit. These are industries that, by the way, need to expand, need to open up new drilling, need to find new market share. So being told no is, even for a short span of time, is a dire threat to their business model and their ability to exist and function.
2: Yeah. Now, of course, there are two, um... 13 states are, like, apparently suing the government over this because they don't... uh, they want the sales to resume. I mean, honestly, what I would probably do is, like, put an acre from, like, you know, bumfuck nowhere you know, in a mountain road with no access rights just like, you know, plonk that acre on a mountain and lease that and that will be enough to fulfill the contractual obligation for regular sales you can't actually get to it you can't actually, you know drill oil from a fucking mountain, but they try honor is satisfied <laughs>
0: and yeah this is this isn't just because biden's secretary of the interior is actually a decent human being this is also symptomatic of that this is an industry that is becoming obsolete that Mm -hmm. history and technology are leaving (sighs) fossil fuels behind and biden and his administration at least particularly secretary of the interior holland at least get that there's really no point in giving them these leases anymore because it's not going to actually lead to anything it's certainly not going to lead to any of the job growth that they've been promising since forever
2: yeah i mean the feds they get like five billion Um, that's what they got last year um in terms of like existing leases that's that's how much they collect ongoing and you know as a revenue stream it's like we could just raise the corporate tax rate like 0.5 percent yeah. it's not that big of a deal like, <laughs> no.
1: if in terms of like the federal government like five billion dollars a year is like I don't know, like, a good steady mm-hmm. supply of, uh, vintage Chuck E. Cheese choke tokens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. I mean, it's more important to, like, the states
2: that get, um, that get the revenue, but even that, we, we could replace that with transfer payments. Like, we don't need to sell these things. <laughs>
0: like, the amount of money we're talking about here in the grand scheme of things when it comes to the federal government is really, like, this is the pentagon's toothpick fund
2: yeah yeah this is the entire allocation for buying toilet seats across the military and in terms of
1: like the like the liability in terms of cost that this extraction like ends up creating like both on the climate and these communities like in terms of both like health effects and ecological effects like Honestly, if we would probably do the calculations. It probably costs more than they get out of it.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like there, there is no way the super fund is like less than five billion dollars, and if it is, something is wrong. Yeah.
0: Like so. I guess the moral <laughs> of the story here is fuck big oil. They are getting another one right when they really don't actually need it. And I hope mm-hmm. they keep taking it and taking it until they can't
1: take it anymore. The only oil I'll mm-hmm. defend as a, as a Sephardi Jew is olive oil.
2: <laughs> Hell yeah.
0: And that gets us to some really fun shit that's going down in the land of supply chains, which we've been following in some way or another, but now it's really coming to a head.
2: Oh boy. Coca-Cola's gonna raise their price again.
0: And it's not because they've decided to pay people a decent amount of money, by the way. Mm -hmm. Or because they're settling some kind of massive lawsuit for being gigantic assholes in some fashion or another. Or any of the other usual reasons why the business community flips their shit over rising costs.
2: So what's probably going to happen is they're going to raise their wholesale cost, which usually just gets passed on to you if you're like me and a massive soda drinker. Um, And in no way does this like help anything, but it makes the CEO happy.
0: Oh, yeah. And the underlying reason why we told you all the reasons not. The reason why Mm -hmm. is because, oh, wait the base commodities that it takes to make coke are going up Mm -hmm. and those are going up because covid has disrupted production covid has disrupted supply chains covid has unraveled large chunks of the neoliberal just-in-time supply chain system um take your pick all the wrenches have been
1: dumped in all the gears it's like basically what we're happening (laughs) is like Imagine it's like, let's just say for the, like the sake of the discussion, if we imagine like our global supply chains is like this big, like, one gigantic square, um, and then each part of that square is a different part of like the supply chain. A disruption in one part of the supply chain because of the way that just in time supply chain networks work is gonna affect another part of the supply chain in this square it causes a ripple effect and it's not, it's like, if you're throwing rocks into a pond, it's not just, you know, one rock being thrown. For COVID-19, it is this continual disruption that keeps causing more rocks to be getting thrown more and more into the pond, but the that like the ripples are becoming like little waves are becoming bigger waves. And that we, that we are seeing this like cascading systems collapse in our global su- supply chain. Like, we're not quite to the collapse-collapse part, but it is cascading right now where the disruptions in our global supply chain are getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And, like, this is a very fragile system. Like, it just takes... a Sooner or later, like, that that chain is going to break. And then we get the, like, collapse part of the cascading systems collapsed. Yeah. Like, this is...
2: Anyhow, we were reading a story in the pre-show about how, like, for example, wings are... Chicken wings are apparently now a shortage item. It hasn't hit, like, the big chains yet, but local restaurants are suffering. Um, Retail chains, you know, like, buying them at the grocery store, that's also suffering. And, yeah, it's, like... All the there's so many little moving pieces to the economy that even if like everything is ostensibly fine on you know the 30,000 feet view that like every you know corporate fuck loves to speak about, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you can't get a hold of that item.
1: I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. And if you can't get a hold of, uh, of your <laughs> item, whatever product, the product that you're making is going to be slower to be manufactured to get out there, to be distributed. And assuming, and let's just, for the, for the sake of discussion, like, assume that you're, the product that you're making is the component of somebody else's product. Like, the ripple mm. effect from before spreads to you and then it spreads to somebody else.
2: It's like, every week, we're... We don't even cover half of these stories anymore, because they're just so... It's so common to hear about, oh, this this little piece of the supply chain, it's fucked too. You can't get ketchup anymore. Not in the single servings. The factory apparently hasn't spooled up. Um, If you're really horny for, like, oat milk, um, Oatly... You know they were supposed to build a factory in Utah that's not finished yet because of the pandemic. Um, So when they made their huge deal, they they sort of assumed that that factory would be available, and it's not. And that's why you can't get your false milk. Like the the thing (laughs) is, like
1: capitalism requires a constant rate of expansion in order to survive Mm -hmm. and keep going and perpetuating itself because of this like increasing disruption in the supply global supply chain like capitalism is not able to expand at the rate that it has done in the past the only reason that the economy is even looking in any way as sort of as a mirage good is because of bitcoin like that's why they keep like pumping it like pumping the drums the point that like if i'm like on youtube like i get advertising for goddamn fucking cryptocurrency
0: i think that gets us pretty well to our last word i think
2: yeah yeah i think i think that's that's where we are um
0: it's yeah this is like We really are watching the latest season of Jackass Wall Street, except they're expecting us to faceplant into the pavement instead of them.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Like, part of the problem is, like, all of this stuff, it's... I hate to use this term because it's, you know, a mainstream economics concept, and... I don't necessarily know how valid these are, but, like, the collective action problem. It doesn't... Uh, like, not... It doesn't... Uh. The thing with Just-In-Time is the disruption incurred by Just-In-Time stays there regardless of whether you actually use that as strategy or not. And... At this point, it's like, it can't just be, like, one or two, you know, downstream manufacturers who are like, yeah, no, this is stupid, we're not doing this anymore, we're going to be ordering for surplus um, now, and we want a contract accordingly. Like, just because you do that... That doesn't mean that it will get fulfilled. Because now everyone, odds are very good that your commodity is now in allocation. And that's the scariest word to a supply chain person. (laughs) You are at the mercy of allocation. And this isn't just supply chains at
0: this point because supply chains are what holds up the real economy and that real economy is dog shit so all they've got is spinning some Wall Street bullshit and hoping to undo essentially 50 some odd years of decimating supply chains which developed organically and based on what was most efficient based on let's get the resources in a reliable way from point of production to point of manufacturing, yeah. instead to this yeah. like oh well we'll just put it on a fucking barge and ship it off to the other side of the planet because it's so cheap oh, that we can just make that work.
1: I'm just um, I'm connecting the whole like um, chicken wing shortage that we were talking about like before that we mentioned about like before to um, like the whole commercial mortgage backed securities shit. Is that like if you have and like these like supply chain like problems that we're seeing like they're going to be like they're starting to affect like restaurants in different states on the big chains yet but it's just like those disruptions are going to like increase the t- like the costs for these different restaurants that have always operated on very very tight profit margins and it just takes enough of them hmm. not being able to like pay their like their mortgages And then the Jenga tower goes boom. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's like, if that's your, if that's the primary commodity you rely on, then it's like, you have to buy it no matter what the price is. And if the price is too high or if, you know, you're on allocation and you get nothing, then you're fucked. Like you can't run a wing food truck with no wings. (laughs) Like, that's just not how it works. If you can't find a substitute good, there's nothing you can do. You just have to take it.
0: Yep. (laughs) It's... This is the way it's all going, and it's just going to make the crazy shit Wall Street's doing to spin up money even worse, because they're going to have nothing to
2: build it on. Mm -hmm. But hey, that's
1: how we created value for our shareholders. And, like, I know this is a lot of doom and gloom, but, like, the truth of it is that, like, no politician, no corporate boss, no pig is gonna save you. Like, the only thing that is gonna save us is us collectively organizing for our liberation. Like, unionize. Like, being involved in mutual aid like, networks. Like, do direct action if you're comfortable with that, like, build up you know, a counter-infrastructure like, counter institutions, so we have a basis for dual power like, we we don't like, yes, we're trapped in this goddamn fucking like uh, clown society but, we can build actual communities again, but it means that we have to trust each other more than we trust the bosses more than we trust the bureaucrats more than we trust the politicians because that is how we get through this crisis not by trusting a goddamn word of what they say because they will yep. sacrifice mm-hmm. us to the plague pits if they can do that
0: so I guess that's where we're at uh, here at Chop Shop Economics watching the abyss slowly devour this dog shit economy we stare in the abyss so you
1: don't have to So good luck out there, everybody.
2: Bye, everyone. Bye.